What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here at the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts from the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Ted the Side. And Ted, nice hat. I Thank think you. I, think I appreciate that. Right now. <laughs> I've been. It's. It, it was a very stressful weekend, but it yeah. worked out in the to end. To say the least. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> Fucking Derek White. I hate you. But you know what, Boston? You can, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Politely, go suck it. Yeah, I think after that ending on Saturday, game six, I just thought like, yeah, all the momentum is gone. Like, there's no way Miami's climbing back for that. But then you get a trademark Boston no show up sort of game in game seven. That's how that you're was able great. to that cruise was the into best the part. finals. That was the best part. Not the fact that like we beat them in game seven. That was great. But the fact that we just smashed them. And I, I, I was right there with you, Amur. I texted you right after game six. Like that broke me. It legitimately did break me. And you go, okay, but how are you feeling about Monday? I'm like, we're gonna lose. I'm like, we're screwed. I had no hope. And that is why I both love and hate this Miami Heat team. Because it's just like, I just guys, I can only do this so often. Can we just sweep Denver, please? Just like, just give me a break. Yeah, I don't, don't think that's Don't you? Don't, I, really okay, don't I thought you were going to say they are going to sweep you. And I was just, mm. No, I don't think they're going to sweep them. Miami's showing in a fight that I think they're, you know, they'll get a game, possibly two. But from what I've seen with Denver, it's just, they're unstoppable. But... Yeah, that's why they say you have to play the games. It's different when you're looking at it on paper. So, yeah, I'm excited. Should be a good matchup. Should be a good matchup. But Heat in seven. <laughs> Hopefully. That would be very nice for you. But, uh, yeah, I'm just hoping for some good games. But, yeah, it, I, I'm sorry, buddy, but I am pulling for Denver. I like to see, oh! them, win. I like to see them win their oh! first title. I like to see them win their oh, first title. Oh, the betrayal. How dare you? Yeah. Nah, nah. Ah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. You know what? I, I hope Brock Purdy tears his uh, UCLA. U, U, UC, UC, wow. UCLA. Wow. <laughs> that's almost as bad as Spotty Good Spots. That spotty is not, good no, spots. That's not nearly as bad as Good, <laughs> like uh, pretty good, close. good Spots. Pretty UCL, close. is that way tour? Yeah, it says UCL. Yeah, uh-huh. You know what? No, sorry, Brock Purdy, but he brought this evil on you. So you stumbled it, so it's probably UCL. not even going to happen now. I got an email right as I came in. I realized I forgot to close out my email, and it's just oh, God, we need to stop doing this so oh, late. Gosh. But yes, let's let's transition let's, into please, football here instead of the do. NBA. But yeah, it should be exciting for the NBA finals to start on Thursday, June first, between the Heat and the Nuggets. But Ted, especially with June coming up now, we are sort of transitioning fully now back into fantasy football. I know we still got a lot of off-season content with the summer here, so I mean we may not might be we not be diving super hard into fantasy football just yet, but we're going to be sprinkling in a lot more fantasy-centric episodes, like today's episode and later this week's episode. We're going to be talking about guys that we're in on, like we're buying, we're just completely in. We just like with their situations, even if they had a bad season last year. And then later in the week, we're going to be doing players that we're just not sold on. We're not really interested. We're not buying what they're giving out there. You know, players like, you know, your Jamal Williams who scored 70 touchdowns. Is that somebody that we're liking? Is that something that we're not liking? You know, these are the types of players we're going to be talking in these two episodes this week. So today we're talking about guys that we are buying. So 100% these are guys that we like. All in. Yes, push it all in. Exactly there. So, so you're a vertical pusher. I'm more of like a horizontal pusher. Yeah, I know. You're like you got a pretty wide chip stack. Well, then. but you're more I, like this. Because like, I I win I win so often. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. But hey, I made the semifinals in the one league I cared about last year. 
Oh, you know about fantasy football? I'm talking about poker. I was like, poker, I don't have oh, no, poker. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> poker, I'm I'm way too reckless. Shocker, yeah, exactly. That's what I was yeah. saying. I was like, fantasy football, I will give you. Yes, you have I always, I always think the leagues, other but... I always think the other players bluffing, and I'm just like, really, pair of queens, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? A two and a three? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fantasy football will give you poker, and eh, not so much, my yeah. friend. Uh, but yeah, these are guys that were buying. So like I was sort of alluding to earlier, these are guys that just maybe had bad season last year. They were injured majority of the season. Maybe they just had a poor season. Whatever it is, these are guys that were sort of buying as far as like you know heading into 2023. They landed in good situations. You know, maybe there's a change up in scheme. Maybe there's just like, you know, it was a down year. You put it as an anomaly, but they're going to bounce back here in 2023. So these are guys that were buying in today's episode. So, Tad, who's a guy that you think is just, regardless of what everybody's thinking about him, he's going to be an absolute stud coming to the 2023 fantasy season? So this guy is not, he doesn't have this title quite yet. But he is very much in the running for this title, and that title is my favorite sleeper heading into next year's draft. Oh, okay. It is Khalil Herbert with the Chicago Ooh, Bears. Now, I do you, like me some Herbert. I do like me some Khalil Herbert. Yes, you Herbert. do, and you call this props to you. You you <laughs> call this. This was, you know, this was a way better take than your stupid Kenneth Walker take. But um, <laughs> stupid's harsh. I'm sorry. Stupid Come was on, stupid. too harsh of a word. Misguided. But anyway, uh, <laughs> how do you feel is misguided? I think I hit on all the rookies you that I like. You hit on it because Rashad Penny got hurt. How many times do we <laughs> have to have It doesn't matter, though. I it told does you. Matter. Him, it absolutely does matter. Him, Tyler Algier, and of course, Lil Hooper, too. It's funny you should say that, actually. What was it? Uh, uh, one of my coworkers, not the one I've spoken about in the past, came to me uh, today while I was, like, you know, cleaning up my classroom. And the funny thing was he was, like, kind of sheepishly, like, like, are you – I don't want to bug you. Can I ask you for some fancy advice? I, I told him at the end of the conversation, I'm like, that's literally my second job. You can always do that. And he goes, Tyler Algier for Javante Williams, straight up. Am I going to, he's getting Javante Williams. Can I make that happen? And I very gently had to be like, I, I would include another player if I were you. But, <laughs> but despite the point, Khalil Herbert, a player you did call, you're actually missing an excuse for why they might not have done so well last season, and that is because of just their general playing situation, the, the guys they were surrounded with, whether that be a coordinator or you know some teammates. And with Herbert, it was the teammates. It was the fact that David Montgomery, who I am still a believer in, I think David Montgomery, before they uh, drafted, they being the Detroit Lions, drafted Gibbs with the 12th overall pick. Yep, never told. There we go. Nailed it. Um. I, I honestly, I would David Montgomery actually probably would have been my pick here, but because of all that situation going on, I looked at the Bears depth chart while doing research for this episode. Bears really didn't do much to fix Montgomery's absence now, and I, I take that as a big, you know, sign of faith in Herbert. It makes sense because I'm gonna get this, and yes, I personally looked these stats up, but. When Herbert gets over 50%, if I had the time, I would have. Get right for more of these stats. <laughs> You're on summer sum- vacation, bro. You did, nothing but time. I am six hours in the summer vacation. How fast yeah, do you think I, I do not, research? Yeah. But when Herbert gets over 50% of the touches in the Bears offense, he averages, averages 115 total yards. And on top of that, he's never gone below an average of 75 yards. That's, not That's bad. insane. That's not bad at all, yeah. 
That's like crazy. That. I like it. So he's uber productive. And then this is what shocked me the most. I This I actually did look up myself. I go, well, because I, I vaguely remember him having a really hot, good hot streak last season. I'm like, let's look up when that hot streak was because my memory – which is well documented as not being the best. And this is another good example of that. That's putting it mildly. Ooh, yeah. no, no, well, and this is a great example of this is I was like, oh, I remember him closing out the season really, really well. He closed out the season really, really poorly. Like he really did not do so high. And, but it's funny because that actually backs up the stat I shared earlier because the most carries he got, not touches granted, but carries over the past five or over the last five games, 10. So they just weren't feeding him en- enough of the ball. So I think with him uh, in being the lead back in the Bears offense, I know for those of you who aren't Bears fans are going, well, what did they do to fix David Montgomery's absence? They signed Deontay Foreman. And look, nothing against Deontay Foreman. He did really, really well with Carolina, really stepped up along with Chuba Hubbard after they traded Chris McCaffrey. I don't think he's really geared up to like, I don't see him as that much of a threat to Khalil Herbert's touches. So Amir, I actually have a comparison and I, I mean this both in terms of scheme and in terms of fantasy output. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this. The way I see this tandem working is, and this could be frustrating for both uh, managers. Should one of these guys be on your team? I honestly see this as an almost exact replica of Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard from last year where Tony Pollard racks up the yards and that's where he gets or, or Tony Pollard being Khalil Herbert racks up the yards. And that's where he gets you most of the points. And like, hopefully he goes for, you know, as I pointed out 70 to, you know, 115. So he gets you those seven to 11 points. And plus if you're in PPR, the extra couple and then Deontay Foreman's going to get all the touchdowns. He's going to get like 400 yards, but he's going to get all the touchdowns. And so I think both have fantasy value by really, really, because don't forget Pollard was, for a good stretch there, one of the most valuable fantasy running, that's part of the reason I made the semifinals in my league last year was because I had Tony Pollard during his hot streak, and he was always dependable for no less than 12 points, which I know people tend to forget like, oh, no, my fantasy running back two always needs to go over 12 points. Yeah, they do, but very rarely do they consistently do that. That's how you get into running back one territory. And so I think Khalil Herbert is because of his very rough stretch Late in the draft or uh, late in the season, he's going to slip in drafts when he should be drafted in the mid rounds as a potential RB2 and a definite flex option. But I think a lot of people are going to see him more as a bench option, which is a weakness that you can exploit. So I actually, I'm doing the horizontal push here. I'm all in on Khalil Herbert as the running back sleeper of the year. I do like Khalil Herbert. As soon as David Montgomery was, you know, signing with Detroit, like there's a lot of rumors circulating that he wasn't going to return to Chicago. It's like as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, Khalil Herbert just looked like the fresher, the younger running Mm -hmm. back in that backfield. It just he looked a lot more consistent with the touches that he was given in Chicago. So as soon as I saw officially that David Montgomery signed to Detroit, I was like, I am also very much all in on Khalil Herbert. Now, the only thing that sort of worries me is that. Yes, Deontay Foreman was a very capable running back in Carolina, and he did produce, obviously, for them down the stretch when they did trade Chris McCaffrey, him, and Chuba Hubbard. The what the other running back that worries me a little bit more, though, is their fourth-round running back out of the University of Texas, Roshan Johnson. So, no, I'm yes. Not, I'm not that worried about him. 
I'm not super worried yet, but I think there's a reason yes, why they drafted him in the fourth. Word. But yep. I think eventually he's going to ease himself to get more touches in that backfield. So then now you got a trifecta in the backfield. So I still like Khalil Herbert to get all the lead touches and mainly the rushes. I'd say he's not as much of a weapon in the passing game. So I think that's where Foreman, possibly Roshan Johnson can sort of fill, it, fill in there. But I 100% think Herbert's going to get all of the rushing touches in that backfield. But just, yeah, I think slowly but surely, I think Roshan Johnson is going to usurp the secondary role from Deontay Foreman. He may become like a veteran cut maybe next season, maybe the season after, what have you. But just, yeah, that two-headed monster between Johnson and Herbert, that could be very lethal. So that's the only thing that worries me a little bit more compared to Deontay Foreman, that Roshan Johnson could potentially steal some red zone touches, goal line touchdowns that way. But I still very much like Khalil Herbert. Like, I very much value him as an RB2 on my roster. You know, that's interesting because that's actually something I did not consider when I was taking my notes. I went to most of my leagues, which are year-by-year leagues. Sure. So year-by-year, I, I disagree with you. I don't think Roshan's going to really touch on or invade on uh, Herbert's production that much. But if you're in a dynasty league, I am much lower on Herbert. I 100% agree. I don't see Herbert as the long-term option at running back, but I see him having a really good year this year. Now, if you were saying slowly but surely – this season, well, then we're just at an impasse, which has never happened on this show. Um, and so I, I don't think the the rookie is going to make that big of an impact later on this season. But I, you know, you've been supposedly right on rookie running backs before. Uh, and you know what's going to happen? God damn it. We just etched us in the stone because of karma. Herbert's going to get hurt. And then you're gonna, <laughs> I told you so. And we no, no, I haven't said anything yet. I haven't said anything yet. I haven't said anything yet. But I, no, I if, I'm, like if, I'm in a, if I'm in a dynasty league, yeah, I'm not as high on Herbert. But yeah, I think heading into 2023, I like Herbert the most out of all the Chicago Bears running backs. And I think just, like I said, from what I saw last season, I just saw he looked a lot more fluid compared to Dave Montgomery. I think they want to give him more like a, Yeah, more comfortable like, fit in there. Exactly. Which exactly. is why I share that stat of like when he just gets more touches, when he's given mm-hmm. the opportunity, he succeeds. And it seems like last year they're like, well, I felt like that was – I know coaches don't actually do this. But I felt like that was almost like a you know, the front office kind of impeding on the coaching there, being like – yeah, push David a little bit. Let's see if he's worth the money. And now that Montgomery's gone, now they're just like, all right, yeah, now no, now we can actually go with the guy we want. It's like um uh, my favorite money uh, movie, Moneyball, with uh, Carlos Pena. Of like, well, now I want to see what Pena's got. And finally, they were just like, get him off the roster so they don't have a choice anymore. Exactly, exactly. So I'm very much high on Herbert as well. I think he's going to be a guy that I'm be targeting, yeah, towards those middle rounds to be my supplemental running back. Or, yeah, like you said, a very good flex option as well. Perfect. Perfect fourth round pick. Exactly. So, Ted, I'm going to go from one Herbert to another Herbert, and I'm going to go to Los Angeles Chargers with quarterback Justin Herbert. So, now, I know we sort of talked about this. We prefaced the episode by saying these are guys that probably had, you know, bad seasons or injury plague seasons or just, you know, needed a bounce back season. Well, Herbert's been stellar all three seasons. So, like, it's nothing in a case like that. I think it's more just I'm buying more with Justin Herbert this season is because, Tad, he finished as a quarterback 11 in PPR leagues last season with 281.26 fancy points. So, yeah, he was on the fringe of being a top 10 fantasy quarterback, right? I don't think anybody expected Geo Smith to finish in the top five. I think that probably pushed him out, yeah, obviously. Was, yeah. So I don't think that's going to happen this year, but we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on down the road here as the summer goes on. But just I want to talk about Herbert because, like I said, outside of last season, he finished inside the top 10 the previous two seasons, including, Tad, a second-place finish in 2021. So I, mean, so this I, guy I want has to bring this up with you. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. 
So if you face that high, can you be a breakout candidate? Well, like I said, so because he had a down year last year, that's why I'm sort of bounce back. Okay, not breakout, not breakout, bounce back. Yeah, so that's why I said like that's a guy that I'm buying in this year because a lot of people are seeing that's like you know okay Joe Lombardi is fired they're switching over to Kellen Moore I know most people are high on Kellen Moore so it's not really going against the grade there where it's just like okay can he sort of make that transition with the new offensive coordinator I think 100 this is a match made in heaven I mean we talked about Kellen Moore before Tad but I'm gonna speak about this again more to fantasy context now so in the four years that Kellen Moore's offensive coordinator in Dallas Tad Dak Prescott had the following finishes in PPR leagues 2019 second 2020 okay 30th but he also only played that was when he broke his ankle that was when i was looking up i was looking up dax uh stats earlier today to help you out here and i was like what happened there i'm like oh that's that's when your ankle that's the ccd got hurt he only played in five games that year 2021 finished seventh and then last year he finished 19th because he missed five games but tad i'm gonna add on to this because with the exception of 2022 Prescott averaged at least 20 fantasy points per game in all three of those seasons from 2019 to 2021. So you look at that, you transition it into this Chargers offense that I think has, if not the same amount of weapons that Dallas has, maybe a few more. And you look at what Kellen Moore can do with this offense as far as like unlocking it and just giving more to Justin Herbert to sort of, you know, make him the focal point of the offense. Like, I mean, there's a reason he's been so successful in these first three seasons and people are talking about him being that next elite quarterback in the NFL sort of thing, you know? So it's like, I see what I can, uh, what he's going to bring as far as getting Justin Herbert just to unlock just that extra level. It's like, we already see Justin Herbert being so good, but it's just like adding Kellen Moore, I think it's just going to take him to another level. So that's why what I'm seeing him finish as uh, QB 11 last season, I automatically think he's going to finish at least top five, if not top three this coming season. So for our YouTube audience, they're probably like, oh, here comes Tab with the hot take because of the face I was making when you were like, yeah, maybe they do have a few more weapons. And for our podcast audience, I was making a face when you said that. It's true. That face was not, no, they don't. That face was, of course they do. Of course they do. <laughs> like they, of course they do. I mean, you think about just how much. And it's please, not quit Justin bias, is it? No comment. So they're <laughs> they're and this is something I've said a thousand times on the show, so I won't spend too much longer in saying is it Darius this. Davis bias? What would you just let me get to my point? <laughs> you interrupt me all the time. You need to I stop. know, that's my role. You know your role. Sit there and be interrupted. Um but it, it's the fact I think what makes Kellen Moore such a strong coordinator and for loyal listeners are going to go, OK, here we go again. But yes, here we go again is the fact that he can identify the specific strengths of players, even younger ones, and, you know, pull the most out of that strength in the system. And what I mean by that is Quinn Johnson's more of an athletic uh, uh, possession receiver. So he's honestly, in my opinion, probably going to play more of the inside role that I think people are expecting just because I feel like that's an easier role to play than go outside where you could potentially face number two corner. And then with Darius Davis, you have a guy that can stretch the field with Jalen Guyton. See, it's not just TCU guys Uh, with Jalen Guyton. You have yet another good slot speedster. So if you do want to play QJ on the outside, great. Then you have Guyton and Darius to be kind of your every, like this is such a diverse offense. and I haven't even touched on the running backs yet. So it's just a, this is a offense ripe for just so much diversity in the play calling and the play style that I think that Justin Herbert is absolutely primed for a breakout. And Murray was funny. So like I said, I was looking up uh, Dak Prescott's stats and this is usually something a lot of fantasy owners go, "Mm, that's not great for your value, but remind me of that stat. So in 
last year he averaged how many points a game, Dak? So last year it was below 20 points per game. I think it was around 16 or something like that. It was the year like that, before the that, though? the previous three seasons with Kellibor's offensive career, at yep. least 20 fantasy points per game. So I was expecting – because I, I did – you know, I knew obviously that, that Dak – his fantasy value skyrocketed. I think that's a fair word. Uh, when Cal Moore took over. So naturally I was like, well, he's probably running it more. And I looked up, no, Dak's run rushing touchdown numbers actually plummeted. They did. He went from like eight or seven or eight, his rookie year to six the next year. And then they three, the past three years, which by the way, like extraordinary consistency, even when you break your ankle, you still get three rushing touchdowns. But anyway, so, that shows you how good this passing offense is, though. The fact that he can produce like that. And honestly, Justin Herbert's better than Dak Prescott. Not that hard of a take. So the fact that he could do that with Dak Prescott with less weapons, I can't wait to see what he does with Justin Herbert here. I feel, honestly, Justin Herbert is, oh man, I'm trying to think. Who's the last like quarterback to really shock people to jump to number one or jump in the top five? Was it Trevor Lawrence? Did he finish in the top five last year? No, I think he was pretty close, though. He was close. He had a pretty good Trevor season, Lawrence, but... Matt Stafford. I know it wasn't really a surprise, but Stafford's jump from his first year uh, with the Rams from the Lions to the Rams, that was a massive jump. I think Matt Ryan's um, MVP year in 2016, I don't that's think a lot a of people expected example. that one. Mm, that's a great he example. shot up because of Kyle mm. Shanahan, right? So it's like, I think that's a big one. I mean, fuck, that's what got Kyle Shanahan the job. Um, sure. So, yeah, no, I, I'm Justin Herbert being the jump quarterback of this year, like almost virtual lock in my opinion. Man, real quick, I'm so glad we hired Kyle Shanahan instead of Josh McDaniels that year. They were two in the running for that San Francisco job, and I was like, oh, God. That's why people <laughs> judged me. They were like, you must be so mad when Josh McDaniels turned his back on the Colts. I'm like, no, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> even, even look, those Frank Reich years were not great, but like, I, they are still not nearly as rough as I'm sure the Josh McDaniels years would have been. Indeed, indeed. But Tom, yeah, 100%. Tom Brady is totally going to be the Raiders quarterback at some point this oh, year, isn't gosh. he? He's going to pull a Jackie Moon. And he's going to be a exactly. Sure. That's exactly. I'm telling you, I'm calling it right now. You guys heard it here first. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love it. I love it. I'd actually be kind of interested to see that if he does pull a Jackie. Moon. <laughs> I would love that so much because apparently that's what he was going to do with the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. It's just now he's doing it in Vegas. True. Vegas, True. Miami, recently divorced. This is not going to end well. Yeah, but I think clearly, Tad, I think we're both oh my high God, on players coming back to we're both high on players named Herbert. So, I mean, I think uh, that any other Herberts that you could think of that we were high on here. Bill Herbert, that sounds like a Herbert name. <laughs> that would be a great tackle name. Bill Herbert, Bill Herbert. OK, OK, <laughs> well, let's big, move on. Oh, and his nickname would be big, big Bill Herbert He's big like this Bill massive Herbert. left tackle. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Your next Madden creative player, is that what you're going to do now? Maybe. <laughs> well, let's move on to players not named Herbert here, Tad. So give me another guy that you're pretty high on that you're buying for the 2020 season. So I'm buying this guy not to be like a superstar, but I think he's going to be a solid starter that honestly is probably going to go undrafted in a fair amount of leagues. I think he'll get drafted in about half. I see like a 50-50 split between draft and undrafted, so he could be a key waiver wire pickup very early in the season. Jake Ferguson, the tight end for Dallas. Not that Dalton Schultz is in Houston. Bad move, buddy. Bad move. But now that he's gone, I think part of the reason that Dallas let him walk is because Jake Ferguson, well, he didn't do a whole lot. He had 400 yards receiving and a couple of receptions uh, during his rookie year. He did average almost 10 yards a catch. So you saw the, the flashes of athleticism there. 
but I think even with Kellen Moore gone that as we were talking about with like, you know, just the, the, the seemingly depletion of weapons in the Cowboys offense, Dak is having fewer options and he does love him, his tight ends and proof is in the pudding is that is the saying, right? Yeah. Surprisingly. Oh, thank right. Christ. I was so worried about that when I put that in my notes. Um, <laughs> Dalton Schultz finished the last two years as a top 12 tight end. And I know what you guys are saying. Top 12. Yeah, okay. Congratulations. Slow clap for Dalton Schultz. But honestly, that tight end, and we've said this ever since we started this podcast, tight end is probably the most volatile uh, fantasy position that there is. And so it's if, I'm land. At, yeah, if I have a guy <laughs> finishing in the top 12 two years in a row, I'm trusting that guy or I'm trusting that system. So the question is, do you trust the guy? Do you trust the system? I'm going system here, and I'm also going quarterback. Is I think that Dak Prescott knows, like, okay, I can. It, the tight end is always my safety blanket. Will Jake Ferguson blow you away with you know 15 points a game, Travis Kelsey style? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's a sleeper. But what I am saying is, if you are the type to draft a backup tight end with potential starting, you know, uh, uh, starter growth, I think Jake Ferguson's perfect for the role. And I know, I know, I know. I can already hear literally outside my apartment right now. I hear people yelling at me, Schoonmaker. Okay. Let's break down Luke Schoonmaker here for a second. They're they in the those, pool. They're shouting up from you at the bow. You know, level. it's funny. There's some by the pool. There's some by the street. And I believe there's one in the apartment above me. I don't know how they got in here. I need to talk mm-hmm. to them, my complex about That's that fair. security. Yeah. No, I thought they were tight security here. But uh, yeah, I know. Schoonmaker. I'm getting to it. But anyway, so. Yes, he is talented. I love all of his physical gifts, but here's why I was shocked that Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end out of Michigan, went to Dallas in the second round. The reason I didn't have him as high in my rankings is because Michigan, for better or for worse, did not utilize him properly. They use yeah. him primarily as a blocker. Amur, over under 50 catches for Schoonmaker uh, last season at Michigan. Probably under. Way under. He had 35. I wouldn't say that's way under, but that's it's under. way under. Dude, 35 <laughs> catches. Way under is like 20. 35 catches for a second round tight end. No, I get you. I get you. Yeah. No. Like, so I, I think Schoonmaker will be good eventually, but I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to adapt to being like the receiving type tight end that really succeeds in the NFL than people are really giving him credit for. He could prove me wrong. He's a Michigan guy. I hope he does. But I think that Ferguson has a at least solid eight week, eight to 10 week foothold of like, I am the tight end in Dallas. So I honestly like Ferguson for, you know, five to eight touchdowns, which I'll take that for a tight end. Five to eight touchdowns. Five that's to eight touchdowns. Progress, that's prognosticating pretty high there, I'd say. Um, I want to believe I do. With everything that you said. Was this the Matrix? I want to believe. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but the thing that's always slowing me down is just Mike McCarthy's calling the plays in Dallas now. And oh, I have some stats to back that up. Okay. Keep going. Keep going with your point. <laughs> I think the big thing for me is just I see what we saw with Kellen Moore. And like you said, this Dallas offense has sort of been losing some weapons there. You know, he's sort of been dealt some lemons there. But you know what? He's been able to make lemonade when he was there, if not lemon meringue pies with the lemons that he was given here. But now what I'm seeing here with Mike McCarthy and the same you're, lemons that he's going to be douche. dealt. <laughs> I think the same lemons that he's going to be dealt is going to be like 
water with a hint of lemon. Like, I mean, it's like when you go to a fancy restaurant, they yeah, get to yeah, give you the water, they yeah. give you the slice of lemon out of the glass. That's what you're going to get for this offense. That's sort of why I'm sort of worried about some of these offensive weapons in the passing offense. I think I still have a little bit more faith than Tony Pollard. They do have a good offensive line semblance to sort of establish a good running game. So I like Tony Pollard, but just the passing game worries me a little bit. So it's like your CD Lambs, they acquired Brandon Cooks. Uh, you're mentioning Jake Ferguson, obviously. It's just Jake I Ferguson was know. my pick. I know, but that's what I'm saying. So it's like you're mentioning him here in this segment here, but it's just like I don't know how high I feel about these Dallas Cowboys passing options now with that sort of lack of creativity and just, you know, like you said, getting all the juice from the lemon. It's just that's what Kellen Moore was doing. I don't know. I think Mike McCarthy is going to be squeezing once, throwing the lemon away sort of thing. So just I don't see it as much there in the Dallas offense this year. Okay, first off, that whole metaphor, that was a long walk for a short sip of lemonade. But – I will say this. So I'll take I, lemonade over lemon water, though. <laughs> I did take it. I did take a look at uh, Mike McCarthy's last couple of years as the Packers head coach because his whole time in Dallas, Kelmore has been the play caller. Fair concern. Get this. In the last two years of him being the Packers head coach, one year, Richard Rodgers was second on the team. Richard Rodgers, keep that in mind. Second on the team with eight touchdowns. I don't know how I don't remember that year, but that was in 2016, I believe, if my memory is serving from a couple of hours ago. The other year, they had a tight end. I have it in my notes. Jimmy Graham, of course. Jimmy Graham finished second on the team in terms of receiving yards. So Mike McCarthy does know how to utilize tight ends. It's just the problem was Green Bay. Take it from me because I went through the last decade, hence why it's getting a little mixed up. I went through the last decade of Green Bay Packers tight ends. My God, did they cycle through them. But – um. I'm sure they had some consistency there. Mike McCarthy does have experience, you know, making the tight end a focal point of the offense and making them an efficient one. Because like I said, Richard Rodgers, nobody, I bet you like half our viewers are like, who the hell is Richard Rodgers? But I, I promise you that Mike McCarthy, and plus, let's also acknowledge this, this is not a young Dallas team, right? If he was a smart coach, and he has to be someone intelligent, he's been in the NFL for like 15 years. He knows I'm not changing that much up. Now, his play calling may be a little different, but I don't think the style of offense is going to be all that different because Dak Prescott's probably coming up to him like, look, man, you're not the man. I'm the man here, and he is. I We are not changing this up. Like, this worked for me. We just went over all of his stats. This worked for me. We're not changing too much up. So I'm not ex exactly expecting a radically different Dallas offense. And on top of that, I know some of our listeners are going, well, why did, did Tad Cherry pick two of the four years? Well, first off, yeah, one of those years just sucked. I'm not just there's there's yeah, <laughs> just, there's no defense. That was that was his last year, by the way. Um, and the other year was I totally forgot about this until I was doing my research was when Aaron Rodgers missed like nine games. You remember that when yep. I think it was his ankle was bugging him. Brett Hundley was the leading passer for the Packers that year with eighteen hundred yards. How about that for a throwback, Brett Hundley? Oh, Brett Hundley. But so so that year's a wash is my point. So uh, three out of your last – or two out of your last three years, really, you make the tight end a focal point of your offense. Do I trust him completely? No, I do think he's a moron, but I think he's competent enough to recognize that we are going to take advantage of this young athletic tight end, and that will benefit fantasy players as well. Okay. Okay. I guess that's why you're buying. I may not be as much buying. Like I'm not gonna be there. You know, I'm not pushing my chips any closer. I'm like dropping like three chips in there. Like, hey, maybe. <laughs> barely. Yeah. If anything. Wow. Barely three <laughs> chips. Okay. 
but yeah, I just I, I just don't see it. Like I said, I think there's some semblance of some guys that I may consider there, but just like yeah, Ferguson, I think just you know, consider me out. It's over. It's done. I'm not again. Not again, I'm not. I'm not talking about like uh, Herbert level. I almost said Kerbert. Uh, Herbert levels where you know, like I I legitimately do see Herbert having running back two potential with like you know absolute ceiling. Maybe he gets up and running back one. I don't see that happening, but I, I do see him like running back two. I see that as a very real possibility yes. with Ferguson. I think he, again, if you are the type to take two tight ends, which I am, because again, it's such a volatile position. Never hurts to have insurance policy, especially in the later rounds. It's the second to last round. You got your defense. You're just waiting to see what kicker is out there. I think Ferguson is well worth the flyer to put on your bench. Okay. Okay. If you're going to put it that way, then yeah, maybe I consider it. But as a guy to potentially use as like a touchdown dependent option, it's like, that's a little bit too risky for me. So it's like, that's, I don't I'm know if I can trust that. Six to eight. I'm up in it six to eight just for that. Wow. Six right. to eight. Do I need to mark the episode? 3207? Let's do it. Okay. I'm, at th- I'm at 3210, but whatever. Okay. Close enough. Third, close 32 minute mark. We'll leave it there. Um, all right. So I'm going to get to my last guy, Ted. I think you might be pretty excited about this one because I'm going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going go to the wide receiver position and I'm going to go to George Pickens, the wide receiver formerly of the Georgia Bulldogs here. Um, oh, how dare you bring them up, you son of a bitch. We we slipped it in. No, from from now on, that team is never mentioned on this podcast again. Where's my TCU hat? (laughs) Left it in my car. Damn it. Nice. Nice. Um, but Ted, I don't think I think you remember George Pickens from last season where it's like, you know, you saw some flashes every so often. You saw that sensational catch. I think it was on Sunday Night Football Dude. where he made like a Odell that was Beckham so cool. catch on the sidelines. Like this was, was a hot take. I think I had this hot take at the time. Better than the OBJ catch, in my opinion. It could be. It could be. It definitely rivals it for sure. It's like very much like you put them head to head. I think you get 50-50 split just how amazing that catch Ooh, was. Should we do that poll? We'll do that poll on Twitter. We could. You got to find the videos too. You got to give some people a little bit of a refresher. I think, I think we might get sued if we do the videos. We'll do a GIF. No, no. I think we can, we can find it. We can if, find it. If somehow. you get our Twitter shut down again, I am going to kill you. <laughs> okay, fine. Find the GIFs. Whatever. This is a great story for the show. <laughs> we need to find time to do that on the show, by the way. I feel like we told the story before, but I don't whatever. Yeah, but anyway. Let's get back to George Pickens here. So, I mean, clearly, Tad, we saw his ability to sort of like, you know, make these flash plays. He sort of became more of a dependent option for Kenny Pickett. You saw him looking his way a little bit more often than not. And clearly, Tad... The Steelers believe that he usurped the uh, the secondary receiver role from Chase Claypool because they ended up trading Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. So, I mean, clearly they're like, okay, Pickens is our number two guy behind Deontay Johnson. Now, let's bring up Deontay Johnson because obviously he's the number one option in this receiving offense. But, Tad, is he how no? many touchdowns we'll, – we'll get into that here a little bit here. So, Tad, how many uh, touchdowns did Deontay Johnson score last season? Four. Wow. That's way over based on your what? zero. Whoa. He scored zero oh. touchdowns last season. So that sort of tells you exactly where you sort of question Like, is he the number one option in this offense? I mean, clearly last season, he was the most targeted receiver and he had the most receptions on the season by a wide margin over the secondary receiver in a uh, secondary player, I should say, because Pratt Firebeard was sort of second in some of those uh, statistical categories there. Yeah, but in yards. Man, yeah. Here's where it gets a lot more interesting, Tad, because in yards, he only had 81 more receiving yards than George Pickens. So, I mean, it's like even though he's getting more targets, getting more receptions, you think he's, quote, unquote, more involved in the offense than a George Pickens or a Pat Fryermuth or insert any other Pittsburgh receiver player in there. 
the yards sort of speak a different story as far as like, you know, George Pickens is able to do more with the catches and the uh, and the receptions that he's sort of getting right in the offense as far as getting more yardage. He's more that deep threat ability, sort of hitting that home run play that they sort of need every so often, you know, sort of being like the Mike Wallace of old of that offense where it's like he can sort of just go out there and become a dominant threat to just sort of blow apart the back end of the defense. Right. So it's like we see that there with Pickens. And so you look at Johnson now, I think what I think that they're going to transition here, Tad, is that. Johnson is going to be the chain mover. So he's going to still tally up all those receptions. So he's still a very valuable asset in PPR leagues because he's going to get over a hundred receptions. I don't doubt it again because he's going to get a lot of targets there. But like I said, he scored zero touchdowns last season and he only had 800 receiving yards. I think it was like 800 and change or whatever, but just like that didn't translate to a lot of production in the yardage or clearly the touchdown department. Now you shift over to George Pickens, where he may not have as many receptions then, but he's going to do more with those receptions. He's going to get you more yards. I don't doubt that he could possibly touch 1,000 receiving yards, and he's going to – biggest thing, he's going to score touchdowns for you, which is very valuable, obviously, in fantasy leagues. Like, yes, PBR leagues, Deontay Johnson, very valuable, but – receptions only take you so far you kind of need that extra boost of the scoring touchdowns with the six points or four points or however you decide to score your receiving touchdowns you need that extra bonus because like even if you just score once that makes a huge difference compared to having like you know 10 receptions for 60 yards it may even out toward over the course of the entire season so like I said, Kenny Pickett sort of looked his way a lot more. I think he saw the explosive ability that George Pickens brings. He's more of a dynamic plate ability sort of type of guy, yards after catch. I was already brought that up there. So also Kenny Pickett going into his second season now, he's going to become more comfortable in this offense. I think he's going to find more of a rapport with George Pickett and Deontay Johnson, but just George Pickens is the receiver that I want in Pittsburgh. So a couple of things about what you said. Uh, the first thing is that you said that Pickens became uh, one of Pickett's favorite receivers. I'm so glad you used that word because if you actually keep track of the way he developed throughout the years, because look, I think we were both fans of uh, uh, Pickens coming in. By the way, I hate Pickens and Pickett. It always gets so confusing. <laughs> Pickett but, and Pickett. Yeah, it's the worst. The, the, the Pick brothers. But it was funny. Oh, that's you, not what you want. <laughs> the Pick brothers? What's wrong with that? The Pickman. The Pickman. Pickman, I'll get you. There Pickman, we go. All right, we'll go with Pickman. Like, I like that. Pick Brothers sort of insinuates that they're getting picked off a lot. Yeah, that's actually fair. But uh, <laughs> all right, we'll go with Pickman, um, <laughs> which about maybe 30% of the audience will understand. But um, with Pickens, it was interesting because I noticed throughout the season, yeah, you make the occasional flashy play, and you could like see the potential there. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's actually pretty good. And then once the Steelers actually finding, uh, started finding some stability at quarterback, then all of a sudden – that's when George Pickens like that. It was funny because I was like, oh, this is who I mistook for Herbert was because Pickens towards the end of the year. That dude was hot, man. He was like a wide receiver too easily in fantasy football with his production. Was he as consistent as a wide receiver too as you would want? No, but when he was hot, he put up wide receiver two numbers. And so I think that, yeah, with more familiar uh, familiarity with Kenny Pickett, uh, with his fellow Pickman, um, and within the offense itself. And again, this is why it's so important to hold on to a coach. Because if you had the same system or relatively the same system as the Steelers have had for the last 23 years. When was Mike Tomlin hired? Two, 2003? Oh my God, we're nearly 20 year mark. How about that? I think so. There's yeah, over there. Yeah. But uh, when you had that consistency of the system and what's expected of you, that familiarity grows so much just within a single offseason. And here's another thing that you brought up was he had zero touchdowns. Deontay Johnson did. 
that's not that surprising to me, to be totally honest. That's why I went four. I th- honestly thought four might be a little high, and clearly it was. Um, the way they utilize Deontay Johnson is uh, reminds me a lot, and the way they utilize him and then pair him with George Pickens reminds me, ironically, of a failed experiment with a divisional rival. This is how the Browns saw Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. working was you get Jarvis Landry to be the short yardage guy and then occasionally the guy to stretch the field, while Odell Beckham Jr., like you said, is the big play guy. He's the touchdown guy. He's the flashy guy. Yeah, he may not put up the yardage, but you're damn right he's going to get those touchdown numbers. Meanwhile, Jarvis Landry is like three yards, three yards, three yards. Next thing you know, he has 60 yards with 20 catches. Obviously an exaggeration, but look at some of Jarvis Landry's numbers on the Browns and Dolphins. They're not that far off. So I think that, and as is the case has been for the past 20 years, the Steelers saw what another team tried, but they're finally actually doing it better. So I actually love George Pickens as a sleeper. I'll be fascinated to see where he goes because there are a lot of good, interesting, like, will Jerry Judy go above George Pickens? I don't think he should. I don't trust any of those Denver receivers, but I think the promise of Sean Payton will make people overdraft him and let guys like George Pickens slide. And I trust George Pickens more than I trust any of those Denver receivers. So this could be a very, very good sneaky sleeper uh, to grab. So if they're the Pikmin, does that make Mike Tomlin, uh, Mike Tomlin, um, Olimar? Oh, that's a good question. There might be some race issues with that, but yeah, let's roll with it. <laughs> there is the darker skin. Rooney, uh, Rooney, uh, Art, Rooney Art Rooney, Art <laughs> Rooney. <laughs> or Matt Canada, Matt Canada, offensive coordinator. Oh, that's perfect. Because <laughs> the, the Pikmin are kind of like, ah, we don't want you around, but you're here anyway. So all right, yeah, let's see that. Who was that? Who was that that yelled at me in, uh, in the tunnel? Was that Minka Fitzpatrick? Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Uh, it was like Matt Canada. Uh, when they were, I can't remember if it was the playoff or like a game to get them in the playoffs. Matt Canada was going to the locker room at halftime when they were down by a lot, being like, "Yeah, we got this. We got this." I think it was Minka Fitzpatrick yelled like, "We're here because of you." That seems like something he might have done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no. So yeah. All right. Canada's our uh, Olimar. I like that. <laughs> He seems dumb uh, enough to blow himself up in a rocket. Yeah, it's possible. It's I'm possible. so sorry, Matt Cain. I don't know why we decided to start picking <laughs> on you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, like you were sort of saying, Tad, I it's going to be curious to see where Pickens is going to land as far as people's draft boards. Um, I 100% agree with you. I think people are probably going to prioritize a Jerry Judy or some of those other, you know, quote-unquote bigger name receivers because of, like, you know, the star power behind a Sean Payton or just, like, their familiarity with Jerry Judy being a number one uh, during a first-round pick, right, where George Pickens went in the second or third round, if I remember correctly. So it's like, you know, I think just a lot of people don't pay attention to those secondary options that could potentially turn into first-round uh, first uh wide receiver one options potentially whereas like they look at jerry judy they automatically think like oh no this guy's wide receiver one hundred percent i'm gonna trade yeah, him over exactly. george pickens, right mm-hmm. so it's like i think it's just that more name recognition sort of a lot of players sort of tend to like drive their draft strategies more of with which led to george pickens going a lot later which means excellent draft value and i have a perfect candidate i'm so glad you said like the perceived number one receiver because you gotta remember the receiver's only as good as the quarterback throwing to him. And I think a guy that's already in, you know, possible spoiler for next episode because I haven't made my picks yet, but a guy that I'm seeing really hyped up going into uh, next year's draft that I'm not a big believer in, Christian Watson. I think Christian Watson, Ooh. I think he will get drafted ahead of George Pickens in a lot of these drafts. And I like George Pickens a hell of a lot more than I like Christian Watson. 
I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But 100% Ted, let's save those takes for next uh, this next episode, not next week's episode. Elijah Moore. Later this week. <laughs> later this week here. Uh, but yeah, these are just a couple of guys that we're sort of buying in here as far as we're getting closer to the 2023 NFL season. Ted, we are 100 days away as of recording from the NFL season, so which that Don't means me that. No, no, we're about 90 days away from about fantasy drafts happening, you know, sort of thing. So it's like it's going to be here sooner than people think. We're here to make sure that you're prepared and ready to go for all your fantasy drafts. We've got you covered with lots of great summer content, fantasy football, offseason content. We may do some wacky stuff like we did with our Ultimate Draft episode. In case you haven't checked it out, go check out our last episode. I, I am putting fun. together that uh, the I'm putting together the teams this week, by the way. There you go. We're going to be doing a Madden sim, but check out that episode. We explained everything that happened as far as what we're doing. We got some graphics related to that episode that will be coming out as well. But just, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We will be doing more weird stuff like that as well. And just, guys, I mean, the best way you can find out about all the crazy stuff and all the awesome stuff that we're doing on our uh, podcast here. Follow us on all our social media handles. You see the Twitter accounts there. You see me at Armour the Side 23. You see Tad at Tad the Side 94. See the show handle at the Decide Guys. And of course, on an Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. Um, subscribe, brothers, to your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen right on the LEFE Network website. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to LEFE Network's YouTube channel as well. They got a lot of great content coming in the summer for you guys. We're UCLA and USC fo- football at the college level. Then, of course, we got the Rams and the Chargers just for professional football so they got a lot of great content covering all four of those teams and guys i mean just like i said we're gonna be doing a lot of great stuff for you guys giving you a lot of great content in the summer lots of it fantasy related we're gonna mix in some fun stuff as well but i mean guys to anybody who is interacting with us on social media we'd love to hear your ideas about what we could do during the summer um to people who are reading our articles that we've written in the past we hopefully could sprinkle in some articles during the summer as well uh people who are listening people who are watching i mean guys Anything and everything that you're doing to support us, we can't thank you enough. Hey, and if you're like my coworker and you need some off-season, you know, trading advice, if you're in a dynasty league, maybe. And here's and Mer, I'll be interested to hear your quick, like five-second yes or no answer on this. So what I suggested to him was, like I said before, hey, throw in something extra with Tyler Algier. Maybe he'll throw you Javante Williams since he's hurt, and he goes, how about a third-round pick? Third-round dynasty pick plus Tyler Algier for Javante Williams. You taking that? If I'm receiving third round pick in Tyler Algier, I don't yes. know if I'm taking that, but if okay. I'm receiving Javante Williams at 100%, that's a oh, 100%. Really want yeah, no, but that but that's the that's the key to a good trade. And by the way, if any of my friends are listening to this, please tune tune off now. But that's the key to a good <laughs> trade is you lowball him first and then you like kind of gauge interest a little bit. But hey, if you're like him, you're never going to bug us with uh, fantasy advice. Or if you're like me where you are just preparing for your uh, fantasy draft way too early. Here's up for advice that that's sure. like, look, I, I love fantasy football as much as I love the draft. I love fantasy football even more. That is my true obsession there. So now that we're slowly, like we, you said, we got 90 days, 90 days till about the draft start happening. hundred days till the season kicks off. Okay. So we got about 90 days until school starts up again and fantasy season starts up again. I'm going to choose to focus on the latter. So please tell, help me take my mind off the former and put my mind on the latter and like, Ask us for any advice because we'd be more than happy to give it. We'd be more than happy to have a discussion. If you just want to have a dumb fantasy discussion, hey, what's the best fantasy season of all time? Love to have that discussion with you guys. Hit us up. Let us know. And, guys, thank you as always. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Hope you all had a great Memorial Day weekend. And please stay safe, everyone. (laughs) 